Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. All right, you ready for the word? So ready. Okay, Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to 19. It says this, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, where when you get there, ask for a man named uh, from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, Ananias exclaimed, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorised by the leading priests to arrest anyone who calls upon, the name, upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as all the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptised. After, afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. I've titled today's message, Waiting for a Confirmation waiting for a confirmation. God, speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Okay, this passage is about a man that you and I most uh, commonly know as Paul. And Paul is quite famous. Um, You and I both know Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. In fact, That is said so many times that most of us in the room can't say Paul without saying who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's like famous. It's like a Christian compulsion. He's one of the most, and, and certainly other than Jesus, the most famous New Testament Christian apostle, super apostle. Okay, he he's taught, wrote two thirds of the New Testament, taught us about justification through faith, the second coming of Christ, um, uh, life, church, relationships, marriage. Like it's he's taught us all the most profound theologian, but he was not always like this. Not always a believer in Christ. Not always a follower. In fact, before he was one of our heroes, Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament was in fact the early church's most heinous villain. He was so devout in his faith, his Jewish faith, so desperate to see the Messiah come on the earth, that he, his whole mission was to see all the Jews obey the Lord so that the Messiah would come. And here these people were, these Christians, these followers of the way, were preaching against the law. And were preaching, you don't have to follow the Jewish traditions or the, the, the traditions of our fathers. And so he was so passionate that he was a total advocate for getting people stoned for their faith. 
When the death penalty, raise your hands if you're for the death penalty for Christians, his was the first hand up. Uh, he goes to the, the Jewish uh, leaders, the Jewish council, and he gets papers to go and get all of the Christians who've spread out and have sort of trying to escape the persecution that they're experiencing in Jerusalem. He goes and gets papers so that he can go to Damascus and lock up Christians and hopefully get them killed. So this guy is a very, very, very serious threat. The craziest thing was that he genuinely saw it as a service to God. He was, in his eyes, doing God's work. Killing, locking up, full of emotion, rage and vengeance on his way to Damascus. Now, I am so thankful that we serve a God that does not just take nice people. <laughs> just no, If you are an angry person, a sinner, if you are a sad person, it doesn't matter what you are before Christ. Chances are, in fact, 100% chance He is after you and your life. And doesn't matter what your pre-Christ life was like, He is after you because He has a calling on your life. So grateful when I look at... Um, when I look at my own life, I'm like, oh, wow, thank God that you're not a respecter of my past. You take anyone, God. <laughs> Doesn't matter what I look like on the outside, what sin, what anger, what rage, what's going on for me, you take anyone. Sometimes we can think when we look at a room full of really nice Christians that we were always really nice. I can tell you if you think that, it's a lie. I knew some of these people before they were Christian. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now. He's not a respecter of past. So, he's on his way to Damascus. And he's in charge of getting all of the Christians rounded up, taken back, imprison them in, um, in Jerusalem put them in front of a court, and he will put his hand up for the death penalty. That's his task here. He's on the road full of anger. He, he, I can just see him so passionately and zealously doing God's work. When all of a sudden God, or Jesus, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father praying for everyone, decides to make an appearance and sticks his head through the clouds and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay, this makes us feel extra good as Christians. If you pick on me now, you are all of a sudden picking on Jesus. This is really good. This is really good that Jesus Christ takes our battles personally. So now I'm learning, I'm getting a new picture. You know, when Paul writes that we are in Christ, this is what he's probably experienced as the first we are in Christ. If you pick on a Christian, you are picking on Jesus Christ himself. I'm so thankful to grow up in a church actually that has taught me a faith that when a battle comes or an obstacle comes or an enemy comes or something that tries to steal, kill and destroy, to be honest, I've now grown up and my immediate response is no longer fear. Fear. My first response is, well, Jesus is going to do something about this. When something comes against a believer now, it's not just you on your own. 
It's Jesus who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is willing, able and ready to get involved. I got some things going on in my family that when I get the bad news, I'm grateful because I've been a Christian for long enough now that my first response is, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know at what point, but this is going to be okay because Jesus is going to get involved. Why are you persecuting me? Jesus says to Saul, get up, go to Damascus. But as he gets up, he discovers something. That as he gets up, he discovers that he is blind. And for the first time ever, Saul is experiencing something physically that has always been the case spiritually. The pride that was in him that thought he knew the way, he knew the truth, he knew the life, he knew the way forward, he knew what to do. A spiritual pride that had kept him blind internally, he was now experiencing physically. Now, I had a year 11 geography teacher blindfold me. And we watched a movie and I was blindfolded. The person next to me had earplugs in. And at the end of the movie that we watched, I took my blindfold off and he took, and my my friend took his earplugs out and we had to uh, sort of like tell the class what we thought was going on in the movie. Now, funny, funny, this movie, particular movie, had nothing to do with geography. This was a typical case of a high school teacher on a power trip. And... (laughs) There I was learning nothing about geography. Um, I got 89, band 5, not band 6. Very disappointed and I'm pretty sure this was the reason why. Um, Something about blindness though does something for your hearing. And God gets his attention and says, I'm going to get you to listen now, Saul. You've done a lot of thinking that you know the way. You've done a lot of life thinking, I won't consult God. I won't give this a go. I won't pay attention to God. You've done a lot of life thinking you know the way. Well, guess what, Paul? Guess what, Saul? I'm going to show you, you do not know the way now. You're going to have to start to listen to me. And he gets led to Damascus and he gets put in the house of Judas and for three days he is alone. Because he's blind, he has no one, um, because he's blind, all he does is pray, no eating, no drinking, he sits in the house of Saul all alone for three days. Now I want to just point out the isolation that Paul must feel, I, I keep on using them interchangeably, I hope you don't mind, Paul, Saul, same thing. Okay, here he is isolated and he's got no one he can call. So if he calls um, the, Jewish, the Jewish council, um, imagine how that call would go. Um, hey, bros, um, Saul here. They'd say, how's the, how's the lockup going? And then he would have to say, well, road, light from heaven, voice, and now I'm one of them. 
And if he did that, he would get the same fate as what he was there to enforce. So he couldn't talk to them or tell them. He couldn't also call the church because if Saul had have called me as a pastor, I would say, yeah, sure, Paul, come to our service. Meanwhile, I'll get on Instagram, e-news, phone calls, iMessage, SMS, WhatsApp, and I would tell everyone, lock yourselves in your house and don't come out until we say so. Because this guy was out to kill and destroy us. So he couldn't call the church. And right then and there, he finds himself 100% isolated. Now, we have this youth leader, and she is the most exceptional youth leader. For about 18 months, um, she was, uh, it was, I was just so, like, amazed at her wisdom. She would tell Alyssa and I how isolated she felt. She felt like she just could not connect with people. She had friends, she had, um, like, she was having fun, but there was just a level that she could no longer connect. Her family didn't understand her. She felt like her friends didn't understand her. And she said the most profound thing to me. She said, but I'm pretty sure it's because God just wants wants it to be me and him. You know, isolation is not the same as loneliness. Sometimes, in fact, in my own life, isolation and being alone is one of the primary things God does to do a deep work in my life, where he says it will now just be me and you. Three days alone to process between me and you what I want to do in your life. And here Paul was, alone for three days, completely isolated, no one to talk to, no, no living person would talk to this man who was a believer apart from a word from God. And here we have, while, while God is calling Saul and saying, Saul, Saul, at the same time, very shortly after, he's also calling Ananias. Now, of all the people that you could choose to reach Saul, you'd probably call Peter. Because Peter is a fighter. He cut off Malchus's ear. So if it got violent, maybe Peter could like cut off, you know, Saul's ear. Peter also ran. He was fast. He could run away from Saul. Call Peter. He's a pretty good apostle. Call Apollos. He's a great communicator and can reason. Call John, the disciple that, that Jesus loved. Call one of the super apostles. But God doesn't. Only mentioned in, in this story. No other miracles, no other anything. God chooses to call a man named Ananias. We know nothing about him. He has a name and that's basically it. And he says, Ananias. Ananias' response is, yes, Lord. <laughs> now, we don't really do that. When, when, when God calls me, Jackson, I say, hello, God because I don't want to commit too early. (laughs) Hello, Lord. And Ananias can probably teach us a lesson of saying yes before he asks the question. And so Ananias says, yes, Lord. 
And God says, I want you to go to a man named Saul of Tarsus. He's in Judas's house on Straight Street. Now my response would have been like, Kekosa, excuse me, God. And Ananias goes, you mean the one that is killing Christians? You mean the one that is locking us up? You mean the one that all of us were in Jerusalem and we all are trying to escape him? You want us to go and see, you want me to go and see that man? And God says, yes, that man. And Ananias says back, okay, I'll go. He is blind though, right? Like he won't be able to see me, remember my face, evangelise and run. And so Ananias says, yes, Lord. And he leaves the house, goes to a random guy's house named Judas. We don't know how he found Judas's house on Straight Street. Holy Spirit said, third one on the left. He turned right. God said, other left, mate. And, um, and knocks on the door and says, are you Saul? And he goes, yeah, who are you? Oh, random question, but my name's um, Ananias. And um, is, there, is there a man here, like all good if he's left, like 10 minutes ago would be perfect actually, all good if he's gone, but is there a man named Saul here? And Saul says, uh, uh, sorry, and Judah says, yeah, he's in the back, hasn't eaten, spoken, drank, all he's done this whole time is pray. And Judas replies, and Judas provides, do you know him? And Ananias says, I don't know him personally, but someone that I do know knows him. And of all people, no super apostle, no, no one special, a certain disciple, an average disciple, I would go as far to say a random disciple was called by God and walks in, lays hands on Saul, And he would go on to be one of the greatest apostles of all time. One that would be preached probably thousands upon thousands of times this Sunday morning. A certain disciple changed the course of history because he followed God. A few lessons from Ananias. Firstly, God is speaking to more people than we realise. The early church would have thought to themselves, Saul is the last person that God would ever speak to. And the temptation for us in a cancel culture, in a world that likes to write people's stories for them, is to think God would never speak to that person. Can I add faith to your journey, to your loved ones, to whatever person you're believing for, even to the people that we don't like? God is speaking to more people than we realise. It's so scary because um, I remember one time um, my family and I, we went diving with whale sharks and uh, we're on a very dodgy boat in the Philippines and we're standing on the edge of a boat. Um, This Filipino says, when I say let's rock and roll, jump into the water and swim with the whale shark. And they find a whale shark and we're on the edge of a boat. But all I can see is a fin that looks like a great white fin. All right, and this guy is about to say, like you can see nothing except for a great white fin and he wants us to willingly jump in there. Also, he's not getting in himself. (laughs) 
He wants us to get in there. So my, I got my mum on my right. I give my mum like, you know, the eyes that you would do. Like, mum, if this is the last time, I love you. Turn to my left. Taylor, if this is the last time, I love you. And nod at Fallon. And let's, no, I'm just kidding, Fally. Let's rock and roll. This would have been the feeling that Ananias had. God, it looks like a great white shark, but I'm gonna believe you at your word that you speak to more people than I realise, that you are working more than I realise. He is speaking to so many more people than we realise. Secondly, God is using more people than we realise. God is using more people than I realise. I've been youth pastor for a little bit of time now and I can tell you this, every time I've looked at someone and thought they are the chosen one or they look so good or they've got all of the gifting, they have very few times have they ever been the person that I've seen God use to do a massive demonstration of His power. It's always the people that you don't expect that, that are in, in one sense a little bit awkward, a little bit random and willing to say yes to the Holy Spirit. He uses so many more people than we realise. And I've got a feeling that when, when Paul um, writes in Ephesians, he says, um, the gifts of God are giving for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. He was reflecting on the time that God used a random man named Ananias because he doesn't want a church that is full of super apostles. He wants a church full of average, regular, certain believers that will take God at His Word and say, God, you will use me. Every person in this room can be used by God. The only thing we know about Ananias is his name. If you are a believer with a name, he can use you. (laughs) Number three, sometimes the most powerful thing we can do is confirm. The most powerful thing that we can do is confirm. Um, I have a, someone important in my life. They live outside of Sydney and um, I was helping them find a church. For a number of years, I was um, saying, I've, I've got this church for you. I've got this church for you. You need to go to this church. You need to reconnect with God. I've got this church for you. I've got this church for you. Please, I've got this church for you. You've got to go and reconnect with God. Got to go and reconnect with God. And uh, for years, they didn't. But then God started speaking and they found themselves knowing I need to go to church. So nervous, so petrified, hadn't been in a church in forever, but they just felt that tug that, that we all know, just that tug where God says, I'm calling you home now. And they responded. They were so brave and they responded. So they parked their car and uh, as they're getting out, Someone is getting out of their car. Lockie Derricks, nice to see you, brother. Love you. Um, as they park their car, they're getting out of their car. The person directly in front of them is getting out of their car. Happens to be exactly the same age, exactly the same gender, just the perfect person to meet on your first time at church. The person comes over and goes, so lovely to meet you. I haven't seen you. How are you? Come and sit with me at church. They walk in together, they sit together. This person introduces them to everyone. I don't know what was preached that Sunday. Probably was a great average sermon. 
All I know was when I got the phone call a few weeks later saying, I've, been st- I've started going back to church and I'm loving it. They didn't mention the preacher. They mentioned the fact that they followed God and God had the perfect person waiting for them right there. That God used the average believer more than He ever used the super apostle. My favourite Bible commentator, his name's Warren Wiersbe, he says, God is always working at both sides. If you feel a call from God to do something, sow something, say something, you can be sure as God is speaking to us on this side, and as He's saying, Ananias, Ananias, He's also been saying to the murderous villain, saying, Saul, Saul. It's a leap of faith into what could be a great white shark. I'm praying for you, though, that it's an epic experience with a whale shark. The power of sponsoring someone for camp is the confirmation. It's the, a teenager seeing, sensing, I feel the call of God. I love the call of God, but my family is so poor. Or my family won't pay for it. They don't value this in my life. I've got no way of getting there. As they're sensing and, and God saying, Saul, Saul. And then there's a church who's receiving the call. Ananias, Ananias, I will confirm. In verse 9, um, God says to Ananias, I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. God is always working at both ends. And lastly, I'll get the keys up. Thank you, my man, Jack. And lastly, God's calling on someone may be quite hidden, but it's still there. God's calling on someone may be quite hidden, but it's still there. I mentioned this before, but we live in a culture and in a world that wants to write the story for people. We want to be the experts that know how to say, I know how that person's going to turn out. I know what that person is. I know how they look. But God's vision of someone is so different to ours. I'm recalling the verses in Isaiah that says, His way is higher than our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. I'm I'm recalling um, that scripture in in 1 Samuel. Uh, You look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Just because someone's calling, their purpose is quite hidden, does not mean that it's not there. It's still there. In fact, you may be in the room today and your purpose and your calling is even hidden from yourself. I've at times, and I know it's a very common experience, you can question your own calling and your own sort of um, uh, purpose. Uh, and you may think to yourself, but God, God has called all of these others, but it seems like He's skipped me. Can I tell you today, even if your calling and purpose is hidden right now, I promise you it is still there. Every person that is walking, breathing, alive on the planet, your purpose and your calling in God is still there. It doesn't matter what your life was like pre-Christ or pre-today or what mistakes you've made. It does, He's no respecter of that. Where we have a hierarchy of, oh, this sin is, you know, this bad and then this sin is this bad and this sin is this bad or, or this experience is, it's, it's moderately affects people. This experience, it medium affects people. And wow, this experience you're never coming back from. God does not see it how we see it. 
If you're in the room today and you've got a question mark over your purpose and your life, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Saul even thought he was in his. Yet when you have an encounter with God, it's a great revealer where God says to you, I don't, I don't care what you've looked like right now. I don't care what is going on in your life right now. I don't care how opposite we may seem right now. I am calling you. Paul says of himself that he is the worst sinner. I want to say to you today, if you feel like the worst sinner, this guy had an encounter with God and went on to do some pretty extraordinary things. If you feel like the worst sinner, I'm telling you right now, if you open up your heart to God, oh, how your life will change. Oh, that sense of purpose that will begin to flow. And in fact, you have Ananias all around the room today that are ready to agree with you, to walk out, to come in and put their hand on your shoulder and say, we will walk this out together. Whatever journey you've come from, we will walk this out together. Whatever experience you've had, I, I promise you, we're gonna walk you into the freedom of Christ. God's calling on someone may be hidden, but it's still there. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? If today you're in the room, you find yourself at a place where you've never put your faith and your trust and your life in Jesus. You've lived a life where it's actually been quite opposite to what a God life would or could be. But today, you sense God tugging at your heart, not as extreme as Saul being knocked over and turned blind, but you've got something going on in there and you can sense God is saying, I'm calling you from that experience, from that way of life, I'm calling you into a new day now. It would be my honour to pray with you and help you open up your heart to Christ. Can I tell you, it's a great day to give your life to Jesus. On the 2nd of July, 2023, it's a great day to give your life to Jesus. Oh, how He can transform a life. Oh, how He can take a past that is messy and broken and horrible and vindictive and full of anger and rage and terrible experience. Oh, how He can turn that into the most exceptional, amazing, beautiful story in life. Oh, how He can turn a mess into something that He can use for His glory. He's so good at it. If that's you today and you're giving your heart to Christ, you're opening up your life and you're saying today is a new day, particularly for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time. I'd like to help you pray a prayer to open up your heart to Jesus. Thank you, God. Right across this room, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're moving right across this room, God. Online, you're moving in Jesus' name. 
Oh, Jesus. I sense he's, he's, there are things shifting in your heart. Hope is starting to come back in. I just see hope. I just see the dial turning from hopelessness and we are turning it to hope in Jesus' Name. God can use your life. You are no mistake. You are not too broken. You're not too far gone. God can use your life in Jesus' Name. Can we help all those people who are opening their heart to Christ pray this prayer? You just, if this is you, you just pray this straight to God. I'm gonna help you say this. Say, Dear Jesus, I open up my heart to You and I offer You my life. It's not very pretty. It's not very good, but I offer it to You. And I thank You that You take it. You will transform me by Your power as I put my trust in the finished work of the cross. Today, I believe in You with every head bowed and every eye closed. Very powerful moment. Now's the time for an outward action to reflect what's happened on the inside. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or for the first time in a long time and you really meant it, it's a new day for you. On the count of three, could you just give me a wave really quickly? I'll tell you you're amazing and you can put it straight back down. Ready? One, two, three, as I look around the room today. How awesome is this? People, so good. Amazing. As I look around the room today, people coming to Christ. How good is this? He loves you. He's called you. An amazing day to give your heart to Christ. Amen. Amen. As I look around the room one more time. In Jesus' name. Father God, I just thank you for that amazing person who gave their heart to you today. For anyone online today that's making a decision for Christ, we declare a new day for them, a day of great victory as they put their trust in you. God, I just thank you that you change lives. You change lives in Jesus' Name. And what's changing right now is the state of the heart, the state of the soul, coming into connection with the Heavenly Father for the first time, either or for the first time in a long time. We bless them today in Jesus' Name. Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Can we give those people a round of applause with the one person in the room and people online if you made that decision as well. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.